Hi, we are in a new episode of the History and Politics podcast, and we are with Lucy Starwell, who is a writer, and we are going to talk about um, many things. And uh, Lucy, uh, so first of all, what what happened in, in the Area Fifty One? How how this <laughs> this news uh, random. Uh, Facebook page that was kind of intended to be a joke and that, you know, all in the news even in Peru. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, I don't know when that started, but it, it, it was a Facebook event titled Storm Area 51, parentheses, they can't stop all of us. And it's, it, <laughs> it spread around the internet and eventually hundreds of thousands of people were saying they were going to go so that they could break into the military base and check for um, aliens. I put interested in the event because I didn't want the federal government to know I planned to be there. Um, it became this hilariously widespread event, and the guy who originated it, um, I think a few times the event was taken down by Facebook and then put back up because it became this bizarre Like, is this a real event? And people in charge were nervous. Um, but it ended up with like a hunt, maybe a hundred, maybe 50 people milling around Area 51 on the day, which was in September, I believe. Um, and a couple of reporters there. I, I, I would have gone in a second if I could just to see what happened, um, which was not much. But it was a funny viral thing. And I remember some people talking about how they wished that it was about um, storming uh, camps that we're shoving refugees in right now. And some people were like, oh, but it's like a metaphoric desire to do that. And there was like, there was a bit of like a, like an interpreting the poetry of the event thing that I remember seeing, um, which, I mean, I'm not averse to that because I would love, I mean, that's first priority, but like, and, and I would, I would gladly storm those camps, but you know, in theory and quite probably not in real life, you know, the idea is that there are aliens being held, space aliens being held at area 51. And I think the idea was to storm it and find out the truth, but you know, maybe we need to rescue those little green men or scary gray men. First. That's okay. That's a good cause too. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting because I, I remember the, the, the way that the federal government responded. I mean, there was the, the military said it will use little force. To... <laughs> so, you know, the, the government says they want to protect the population, but <laughs> but when they do something that sounds even funny, they want to shoot <laughs> the thing down. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think aliens are also an interesting an interesting metaphor for, for things going on because in the U.S. people call um, many times refugees illegal aliens and, and refugees and, and undocumented immigrants, they, they call them illegal aliens. They, they love to, part of the right love to use the, the term illegal aliens, but for me, alien sounds uh, always like a, like a green, little green man. Well, right. I mean, to me, that's the default. But I have heard illegal alien or even just alien. And I guess, I mean, do those cards in the U.S. say, re like, they'll say resident alien, I think? So it's almost an official terminology sometimes. Like, if that's your status in the U.S., you're a resident alien. 
Um, but maybe, I mean, I don't know. I need, I need the details of that. The vocabulary of immigration stuff is interesting to me because I, I don't want to be like, I'm so enlightened that I didn't even think of it that way. But I mean, you know, illegal immigrant, right? Like liberals, um, like American liberals are often, they don't like that term. And I, I get that. And I definitely get not liking calling people illegals because that sounds just, it sounds ruder crueler but an illegal immigrant to someone like me and i suspect someone like you does not sound like an insult it just sounds like i mean because like we don't care i mean we don't you know so yeah but i, yeah. I get not what I, I, but it's not a judgment call to me and alien to me would be the same way but it's more charged you know because of <laughs> alien yeah i think that, that it's that is a curious debate but um, beyond the immigration story, I think that that the the alien stuff is is, is going is basically political. Even the, the the not immigration alien, like the the the, the little green man, the UFOs, and it's very curious because I think that that a lot of what I have he- here is that in the U.S. it became quite popular the documentary in Netflix, the Bob Lazar about he was being there so allegedly in Area Fifty One or something like that, and and Joe Rogan is talking about it, and Joe Rogan has a lot of uh, audience that is prone to conspiracies and things like that, and uh, and I guess also the, the guy from Blink uh, One Eighty Two is now too, yeah, yeah. and, and <laughs> yeah. So, so there is a lot of he convergence. He changed his and, career and, to full-time alien hunter, which is pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. The the New York Times and 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 the videos of the UFOs of the of the of the combat plane. So so there is a lot of of, of things going on. But something that I think is really interesting is is. Uh, uh, I actually wrote an article a while ago about uh, about. It was called "Communists from Outer Space." It was about the posadistas. Were uh, uh, they were a kind of a, a very small uh, Marxist group of the Trotsky tendency, the Trotsky tendency, and and they were uh, they believed many weird stuff. But the most weird thing was that they believed basically that UFOs. Uh, if they existed, they or aliens. If they existed, they they will have been uh, socialists because if they have reached that level of, of technological development, um, they they will have had to 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 be above uh, capitalism, and and they have become almost a, a <laughs> yeah. It's very weird, but but they have become almost a meme. So. So there is a lot of memes about the posadistas, in particular the people in DSA use it as a, as a meme, uh, and well, they also use uh, dolphins because like the posadistas thought the dolphins should be trained or something like that, and and also dolphins and, and aliens, and that's kind of their their symbols that have you know adopted. But but I think there is another side of ufology that's quite more conservative, like. Um, some some of the ancient Ellen stuff is, is more conservative. There is one guy that yeah, appeared in the ancient Ellen. Yeah, and um, and there is that. So 
it's it's quite curious. Uh, I was interviewed actually by by someone who was writing a history of, of the posadistas and, and the and the and the ufologist socialists, and he was telling me something that I haven't really thought about it. That in Latin America, for example, the the people interested in ufology which were much more interested in spirituality, while in the U.S. in general, at least to a, to a certain degree, the, a lot of the people are interested in, in ufology or atheists or agnostic, and but and and some even are coming from the skeptic community, which can sounds kind of weird, but. Uh, I guess the, the the difference that that is going with with the the X Files thing, which is it was interesting because when the X Files came back, still the 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 the, the how to put it, the interest in the UFOs haven't gotten as strong as this year, for example, and. And I think it's going to be difficult that, that, that there will be an Oryxos because I think Jennerson has said that she will not come back. But I think that now it could be like the perfect time because like I think that it's kind of their moment if they will have a moment because I think that aliens have captured the, the, the imagination of, of... And some argue that, that only aliens could unite America or the war because like uh, it, it's so divided that only something like a uh, really discovery that could, you know, change the 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 human uh, perception of reality, and it's quite of a metaphor for for the moment that we are in right now. Yeah, I mean, the idea of if um, the globe would be changed in like a in a eventually positive way by sort of a trauma. The idea of aliens doing it as opposed to like, you know, a nuclear war or something is generally like, I, I like, give me those aliens. Um, and I like, obviously a lot of sci-fi, including Star Trek, like kind of the origin of Star Trek is, I guess I don't know super detail the, the status of the earth, but it's like sort of, you know, generally utopian and not in a secretly dystopian way. Um, and part of that is it came from when the Vulcans came down and told the humans uh, about the great big universe. Um, and I think there's some truth probably to that. And I think it's a little easier to imagine what how humans would react to aliens coming down, especially sci-fi styled ones, than it is to say, decide what political system aliens would believe in, because that's super dumb in my opinion to to even in as long as you're completely yeah. lacking in seriousness to like because you know scientists especially have argued endlessly that we have no sense of what aliens could look like um though there's reasons to suggest that they might look sort of similar to us because obviously the conditions on earth led to us sitting here having this podcast but I've also seen people theorize like what would like a bubble, like a bubble creature that lived on a gas giant look like or anything like that. So there's like, there's a lot to ponder and we've been pondering it for well more than a hundred years. You know, we were worried about like alien airships in the 1880s. I forget exactly, but yeah, aliens, they're up there. Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh it's quite kind of curious i mean in in the in the way that 
Yeah, you mentioned Star Trek, and, and I, I'm thinking now in Star Wars. I mean, a lot of the the, the, the cultural uh, stones of, 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 of modern civilization are related with our the fascination of humanity for for space. And and I was thinking also of of, of Independence Day, uh, which in the '90s was a, a really important film. Although the the, the Independence film, the Independence Day too, was kind of lame. <laughs> Uh, and and it was very funny because it was a relatively pro-Chinese because it was co-produced, I think, with China. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, the, I think that, that that fascination that the, the shows, particular in popular culture, but also in other kind of expressions, are are, are quite revealing about the the the, the need of 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 humanity to think beyond its borders. And, and it quite sounds quite um, contradictory that, that there are apologies that are very, um, that want to, to know creatures from outer space, but at the same time, the one Mexicans to cross the border. <laughs> and it, that sounds really, yeah. really silly. Um, yes. I mean, independent, which I, I love, um, and Jesse Walker in particular, shout out, always looks askance at me for <laughs> loving that terrible movie. But it's like it's like the best version of a kind of silly movie. But more to the point, it's also kind of an update of um, of War of the Worlds, which, you know, is a novel that was originally written in like 1898 by H.G. Wells. And that was like an extraterrestrial version of what they called is it invasion literature. And it was very deliberately set up to be what if aliens came down and invaded like white, respectable Britain and treated them the way that uh, Britain has been treating all of these uh, other societies. And that was the point. And it, it, it comes across. Um, and Independence Day kind of updates that in some very silly way, ways, especially the, the, the way that um, humans beat the aliens in the end. But something that I like a lot about Independence Day is that it's a very absurdly American-focused movie. Um, at the very end, you see a glimpse of like other countries, and they're like, oh, the Americans have an idea to bring down the aliens. Great. Um, so it's very American-focused, but it's actually not jingoistic um, at all, I don't think. Um, the, 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 the U.S. president's speech that like millennials of our age, um, in my experience, cite all the time, it's not, it's not jingoistic. It's not really patriotic at all. And as far as I know, um, in the U.S., we have this horrible thing where uh, filmmakers basically get the Pentagon to sign off on their movies so that they can borrow a bunch of military tech. Um, people like Michael Bay do this all the time. Um, and Roland Emmerich, in his horrible sequel, did do that, his horrible Independence Day sequel. But in the original one, he refused to remove the at the parts about Area 51, and so the Pentagon did not give them uh, give him their like the endorsement thing that they do, where they say this film's okay, have a free aircraft carrier to borrow. So the first movie is not; it doesn't have that weird Pentagon tie, um, and this is in fact, I believe, because the U.S. government did not acknowledge the existence of Area 51 until like 1997 so kind of right after the movie came out <laughs> but ron emmerich really wanted it in part of his story so 
he refused to take it out, which I just find great. Well, that's 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 certainly interesting. I think that yeah, the the, the relationship between like um, like uh, the the Pentagon and and and, and obviously other cultural productions like Black Panther are 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 interesting because like. Uh, Black Panther has a very, it's a very, some have described, for example, Black Panther as a neoconservative film, which is kind of funny, but, uh, but yeah, it's kind of pro, pro CIA, which is kind of weird, but um, I think that the, the, there is a, the, the, the relationship between like, like uh, the government and, and the media, that I think that someone actually was was mentioning the I think that the a blog of the University of Chicago School of Business was mentioning an article about corporate welfare and and and, and the welfare that received Disney so even you know like like huge uh, corporate uh, studios receive welfare and and the question is like are are the cultural productions that they do really more interesting than, than some of the of the really you know like uh, um, I don't know of the uh, independent productions because I think that the the film I have seen the most is Slacker, which is a, a film by Richard Linklater, which is the director of the Before trilogy and the Boyhood and and, and well, I think the, the more amazing was the School of Rock with Jack Black, but but Slacker was a very upbeat film that that. It was open in in Sundance in 1991, and it was basically just people surrounding the University of Texas at Austin that were talking about conspiracy theories and things like that. Sounded very weird, but for some reason, I think that it has some charm that is really you know lovely. And it was shot in a in a super eight other parts in in 16 millimeters and. And and the actors were known actors were people that he knew random people but but he had a screenplay so it was not the documentary but but it's still it was kind of a, a very unique thing and, and I have watched like seven times it, it's very it's very interesting and it was shot actually in the eighties and I think people uh, there there is a moment where they're talking about anarchism and, and it, it it the a core a car featuring uh, Rumpel, both Rumpel, because like in that time, Rumpel was a candidate for the Libertarian Party for president in 88. So there was a a card with the Rumpel logo, which is kind of weird because I was watching when, when, when Rumpel was already famous and it was kind of weird. And I think that that is kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's there are really you know some 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 really interesting kind of jewels out there in the independent cinema. Um, I was thinking, you know, like the other day, like um, Samuel Hammond uh, tweeted a uh, you know a YouTube video, and 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 two people were talking about. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey and its origin, and the funny story is that that Fifty Shades of Grey was an slash fiction of 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 uh, of, uh, of um, Twilight. Twilight. So, so basically, it was kind of a, a, an erotic fan fiction of of Twilight. 
but when it became kind of mainstream, they 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 switched the characters. But but basically, it originated as, as that. And and but for copyright reasons, they 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 switched the names. And the original version they they deleted from from the website because it was like this slash, which is erotic uh, fan fiction novels, are 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 uploaded for free, but. Uh, uh, but when she knew that people were downloading and people were were reading it, so she figured out like that she she should adapt it as a novel. And and I think in some countries it has sell more copies than even Harry Potter. So it's it's kind of weird. But Ugh. so how how a fan fiction can can become our thing? And that is also a huge cultural milestone for for. You know, like for for the war, it's kind of weird. I, I guess I, I wonder um, how do you see other conspiracies now? In, in what way they 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 play? Because, like, well, yeah, continue. I always felt. I was, yeah, sorry. Um, as a libertarian, that that conspiracy theories were like my weird cousin that I had an affection for. Um, I actually finally read Anna Merlin's book on conspiracy theories. Um, she, I think she's at Vice now. She was she was at uh, Jezebel Gizmodo Gawker Empire for a long time. Um, and she covers the conspiracy beat in a way that reminds me of, you know, Jesse Walker's book and also John Ronson's book, Them, which I adore. Both those books are amazing. Um, and I finally read Anna's book, which came out earlier this year, a couple of months ago. Um, and, you know, she's more more liberal than I am and more than Jesse, certainly. John Ronson's a little more ambiguous. Um, but I... I I really liked it. You know, there was some information I knew, but it, it had this positive human look at conspiracy theorists. And it really underlined why, not just why sort of from the mindset, why people believe conspiracy theories, but um, say, you know, in the chapter about anti-vaccine people and just sort of paranoia of the medical community, she talks about the Tuskegee experiment on black men, not treating uh, the, the syphilis they had for 30 years, which had a huge, I think, I mean, positive, not for those men, but effect on, on medical law because people, it was so horrifying that they actually, um, some laws were changed about, you know, not being able to just randomly experiment on people. Um, things, more details about in the 50s, the US, well, there's MK Ultra, which was real. It was an experiment yeah. the CIA did with, um, you know, testing mind control ideas and like dosing people with LSD, including one guy who jumped out a window after they dosed him with LSD. Nothing, of course, happened to any of those people who did that. And the documents for MKUltra were destroyed in 1973, which I don't think I had realized. Um, so the point was that, like, you know, Merlin talks about how anti-vaccine and, like, other ideas are harmful. Like, it's not a good thing that these false ideas are out there in the world, but a very sympathetic and, and like, sort of relatable to the libertarian reader reason why people might be this way. Because, look, here are concrete examples of, you know, the medical community being shady as hell um, and just 
the lies that, you know, I, I don't know. I just really appreciate this argument because I don't think it's that common where I hear things all the time where I think, you know, God, that's, you know, another conspiracy theorist is born. Like, I don't know, like as, as a random example, like the, um, the killing of bin Laden where, you know, there was the U S had their raid and they say they killed him in the raid and then they, jumped his body overboard and we never saw photos because, you know, they're arrogant and they didn't need to prove to us that it happened the way they said it did. We were just supposed to believe them. And maybe, you know, maybe their third version of the story is correct and that's exactly what happened, but they don't need to show us. And how many conspiracy theorists were they trying to create with that kind of thing? So a recognition that disinformation and lies um, and, and certain paranoia is totally dangerous, detrimental to society and to human beings with an acknowledgement that look at all the ridiculous stuff that the government's done, that the CIA and other feds have done. Um, you know, maybe this is a reason people believe this bullshit. And there's a, there's a whole chapter on, um, you know, conspiracy theorists that black and other minorities, I think it fo- focuses mostly on black people, like, they tend to be the most paranoid about the medical community because of things like the Tuskegee experiment. Um, and I, I still feel no matter, you know, we live in this time when like sort of a semi conspiracy theorist president is sitting in the white house, but I, I, I appreciated someone like Merlin, you know, acknowledging still that there are these reasons people believe disinformation and don't believe other things that we wish they believed because you know, there's there's a very long history of lies to people from powerful people or just from people in charge of something. So I just feel like we have to remember that as exasperating as certain conspiracy theorists can be and exhausting, you know, in the fake news era, it can be just to remember that there are reasons people don't trust people. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, you know, like the there, there are some, I, I mean, like things that, I don't know if we're conspiracies per se, but, you know, like things that were kind of, uh, you know, like uh, secrets or things that, you know, people like kind of gossip, like the, like about Hollywood producers and and then it happened the Harvey Weinstein scandal and, 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 and I think now it sounds a little bit less uh, uh, until like, these days that he for some reason is, is still is, is talking and he's saying that that people should be thankful for the job he has done for women's rights which sounds kind of ironic but uh, the, the more complex issue has been with with i guess jeffrey epstein massive scandal or or pedophilia so i think different kind of right. of, of people uh you know like uh are uh, have their different political, you know, like different political, I think vision of, of, of that scandal. So I think libertarians are always, you know, like, like disgusted, uh, uh, you know, people of the conflation of, of, of corporate power and, you know, state power. So it was kind of, you know, someone who was very friendly to, to both politicians and, and you know, uh, business people. So he was in the, in the middle point it, uh, until even until now, we don't know how uh, Jeffrey Epstein make money. It's not very clear. It's a, there's a conspiracy beyond, you know, he's corrupt. So he, how he come rich, how he become, he become rich. So, and, and, and that is still, you know, like uh, very, 
strange how to explain, but um, I think that you know conservatives and 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 some you know I don't think I could call Molyneux a conservative or, or people further to the right uh, have always you know like uh, had you know like uh, this idea with with quote unquote. Um, Liberal, liberal establishment, and since uh, Epstein was a, a friend of of of, of uh, Bill Clinton, and you know, like, and another, you know, like well-known liberals in the American society, that that you know, this is an indictment of, of liberalism for in some way, and I think you know that. In the further left, you know, like I don't think liberals per se. I think if something, you know, like. Hillary Clinton has become mute on this topic, uh, and many other people that knew him are, are very mute. You know, I, they don't talk to, they talk to to not say anything about this. But in the further left, you know, it's, it's basically all rich people are, are creatives and pedophiles, and you know, so from from every angle, it's 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 kind of a very big conspiracy. I think it's 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 still you know like um, it's uh, still. Uh, ready to 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 become something much bigger than, than we would think because uh it, it's true and, and the suicide was the part that i think has wrote a lot of more questions about it so there are a lot of speculations yeah, that's that, uh, i mean that was a, that was a, a conspiracy theory that everybody seemed to believe and also became a meme which was sort of annoying after a while, but was also really fascinating. And it basically seemed like the most reasonable people at least believed that the guards were purposefully not paying attention, you know, that there was deliberate um, neglect, you know, so, so that, like, he could commit suicide without anyone intervening. Like, the most eminently reasonable people seem to kind of believe that now. And obviously the more fanciful ones think that, like, Hillary Clinton garroted him personally or something um and people have i saw people complaining um that epstein's quote-unquote suicide was getting way more attention than the quote-unquote suicides of some you know usually black people who were usually put in jail for some minor shit and then ended up dead or there have been black men who have ended up um, in handcuffs in the back of cars, mostly black men that I'm thinking of this case is, it could, could be more. Um, and they supposedly ended up shooting themselves in the head while handcuffed. And it's sometimes really hard to believe that any of those stories, for me, a white lady, it's hard to believe. And, um, you know, any black people that don't believe those stories, I'm not going to spend one instant trying to convince them that, you know, you need proof that so-and-so didn't commit suicide or something. Like, again, there are these great reasons for paranoia. And the Epstein case highlighted for a lot of people, like, remember these people that, you know, it aren't a meme, wasn't a rich dude um, who died mysteriously in jail and the condition of jails and all these, like, good things to raise awareness about and to talk about. It actually came out of that case. Um, I suspect we will never know what happened but i'm kind of pessimistic about things like that just like i don't think we'll know you know if there's anything weirder about the assassination of john f kennedy yeah i just um i think that sometimes they keep their secrets permanently yeah they're, <laughs> they 
there is an article in the New York Times which I think it could generate a lot of concerns. So the article speculates that apparently Jeffrey Epstein had videos, but not just of himself, uh, like him raping the, the girls, but also of his guests. So it, apparently among them, you know, the most prominent name is the is one of the the, of the princes of, of, of the UK. Um, and I think he has been, uh, the army has removed him for, for his official position, but, but he hasn't abdicated. So, but still like he, and he did a bad interview. So, so, so he, uh, so he wasn't able to, to, to exclude himself from, from, from this. But I think that that kind of, of, of idea, like, Back in the in the JFK days, it was much more difficult to to have you know media set up to to, but now it's it's much more probable that there are some kind of of of, of, of proof, even if not you know in the form of media, maybe someone you know like like have the uh, the registration of the day that you know some of his guesses went to to the so called. Um, Lolita playing, which was uh, and and things like that. Like, I think it's 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 certainly a very kind of uh, of, of creepy subject, and I think it's uh, or or thing that that is related. Although it, it didn't have luckily that that much. Uh, it, it was so weird that I think it it wasn't used that much for for that purpose, but it was the the kind of anti-Semitic conspiracies that that the link you know like. Uh, the fact you know that 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 Jeffrey Epstein and 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 Harvey Weinstein being Jewish about a, a Jewish conspiracy behind it and and it was kind of weird, but I think uh, the the conspiracy you know the, the the favorite model of conspiracy is George Soros. So the I, I see every day right, like yeah. like people talking about George Soros, and I think to some degree it's it's materializing. So the, there have been you know like like the shooting of the Tree of Life synagogue, the the attack in the recently in the in the kosher market in New Jersey. Uh, there was a you know a shooting also in in the synagogue in 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 Germany. So so this kind of increasing antisemitism has. I think it has a link to, to the George Soros conspiracy, which is kind of weird because uh, I remember, you know, like growing up in Peru, I didn't hear that much about Soros. But what I remember, you know, was that the only people when I was young that were, that really hated Soros were the communists. So the communists hated Soros and they say, you know, Soros, because of Soros, you know, there isn't Soviet Union. Because of Soros, there isn't, you know, like, like, like Czechoslovakia, went apart, Hungary rejected communism as, as well as, you know, like Yugoslavia ended up disappearing. So the only time I, I used to hear like someone complaining about Soros were communists that, that were saying that, that he promoting quote unquote democracy in the, in the, in the eighties was, was the kind of the, what bring the collapse of communism. So now it's funny that, that it's quite the opposite. The, the, the only ones or, or the, or the, the main ones, at least, that, that are you know attacking Soros are, are from the right you know, for for different elements. So, uh, I mean, even Donald Trump says that, that, that you know like like the the migrant caravan is, is funded by Soros or you know, but and 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 Soros is you know like source of many conspiracies like 
you know, like the professional anarchist was kind of funny that he finds professional anarchists. It would be funny if that were true, but but I think that you know, like if something that the anarchist organizations are the most underfunded, but um, but I think it's it's interesting, and I think it tells something that could be real. So there is a someone, a woman, I, I forgot her name actually, but she is doing her thesis in North American studies in the, her PhD thesis in the North American studies in, 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 in the Free University for them. And she actually is working with, uh, about a thesis about the use of punk uh, for US diplomacy. And it's quite curious, but I think, you know, like, it's not, you know, like it's not impossible to 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 think that that sometimes the U.S. or sometimes "quote unquote" liberals, to some degree, could, in some way, try to to amplify some some movement that that is not necessarily, um, you know, uh, of the right, even in the in yeah, the Cold I mean, War. It happened. We, we kind of know it happened. Yeah. Um, there's all that stuff with modern art and the CIA, which. I'm not super up on the details of, but there was a whole weird concerted effort to back modern art, really sort of abstract stuff. Um, and the CIA was was pretty excited about that because somehow that was going to kill communism. I wish I wish I remembered the details of that. Um, and actually, what slowly came to my mind was um, apparently the CIA in the 70s and 80s, I think maybe, was... Um, was helping to spread the the um, the message that uh, Raoul Wallenberg, like the Russians or the Soviets at the time, should tell um, everybody what happened to him because he was the heroic diplomat who saved you know a hundred thousand Jews in Germany. I'm sorry, in, in Hungary, and then the Soviets took him right at the end of World War II, and he was never seen again. And his poor parents spent their whole lives trying to figure out what happened to their son. Um, but there were always, you know, they were spreading this, this message and his siblings were, and, um, other people were, but it wasn't this huge refrain. And there was all this diplomacy that the U S had to engage in. And, um, you know, so we, we, we never knew, but the CIA like had this interest in spreading the message of this, you know, undeniable hero who the Soviets took and we never saw again, um, and I've actually encountered some tankies who who don't even like Wallenberg because obviously he was vaguely aware of the U.S. and like was and and like the Soviets took him, so they must have had a good reason. Uh, but that's such a good, you know, it's such a good message, uh, like saying what happened to this guy. But the CIA was still interested in spreading it, and I just found that fascinating when I discovered it um, a little while ago. Yeah, I mean the the Soviet Union was also a source of conspiracies, and I think we are uh, recently discovering some ones. Like there is a book against the fascist script by Alexander uh, Reed Rose and Shane Burley, and he and they were mentioning like the, the history of this kind of, uh, of red brown like alliance of of you know communist fascist alliance, and and it, they are quite common. And one of the more curious was that in West Germany. Um, the the allies, the main allies of, of of the Soviet Union were not the their local communists, but the but the but the Nazi branch. So they were uh, 
like what they call stressors. So they were kind of left wing Nazis, which is kind of sounds funny, but um, they were in some ways they were they were they were members of the Nazi Party originally, but but they were pushed because they 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 were also anti business. So they were kind of weird. I think that 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 we are kind of discovering that that. In reality, particularly Soviet, the, the Nazi Germany more than the Soviet Union was kind of very competing interests, uh, trying to 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 seek a way for for them. So there were kind of groups that were much more into Nordic mythology. There were other groups that were really into into Hinduism, and, and you know, like others were into Tibetan Buddhism, others into Satanism, others even into Islam, which sounds weird <laughs> because more Nazis the the thing that they hate most is Islam, I think. But I think it's 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 kind of, of of what I think we are going to discover in the next years, and also in China, the archives are going to to be interesting about the kind of weird coalitions that that some some of these governments took, and and it's it's really interesting because like I think that that now we could we could see a very you know like. Uh, um, like for example, uh, th- that is in an article. For example, so it's, uh, it's not something secret. Uh, Yulia Timoshenko was the the in two thousand like four or three was leading a protest in, in, in Ukraine. She's more or less a, a social democrat, so she's a, a woman of the left. I mean, like like I mean, she's not that much left on social issues, but on economics, she she was quite to the left, and the U.S. government were promoting her. And, you know, someone on the American conservative was arguing that, for example, you know, like, if one looks at her economic policies and the economic policies was promoting Evo Morales, in reality, they weren't that much apart. And I actually have argued that Evo Morales on social issues is not that much of a radical. He's quite moderate. And that's the reason why feminists hate him so much. I mean, like, it's it's, it's, it's weird. Feminists... I think he's not as anti-feminist as, as feminists in Bolivia like to say, but but they hate him to his guts. I mean, they hate Evo Morales more than they hate Nazis, which is kind of weird because in in Bolivia there are real Nazis, so but uh, that 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 were um, that escaped Nazi Germany and and still are deported. So, but but yeah, it's 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 weird. And, and the the most strange thing that that I think it, it came out of of that is that. You know, like the U.S. government can back, you know, uh, a very uh, can back uh, one politician, but you know, attack another, which have uh, in general, you know, very similar positions. The difference is the position toward the U.S. So while Julia Tymoshenko was really pretty pro-U.S., uh, Evan Morales was pretty anti-U.S. So, I mean, obviously the interests are, you know, like are. Are different, but the U.S. government never says that you know, like, no, we want to to back only only politicians of us. and and so they use the argument that no, these are communists or these are or things, but in reality, that's that's not the case. Well, yeah, don't don't hold your breath waiting for principles or consistency from any government, um, including the U.S. I wish. Um, I feel very American, though, listening to any in-depth analysis of um, Latin American politics, because I definitely can't chime in on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was thinking, you know, like, or, you know, like, it's, um, 
other conspiracies that are you know becoming common you know is the you know like the quote-unquote boom lobby which is kind of fun because um now that there is kind of discussion about you know like sex work recriminalization you know and and it's really an interesting discussion because like here in peru there is a woman who's a sex worker who's running for congress to to represent sex workers and it's really an interesting candidate and she's and she's talking about how the complexities of being a sex worker are, and the the biggest problem that sex workers have is to deal with the police. So the police always puts, you know, like uh, uh, against them, and and that is really, you know, kind of interesting because, like, you know, like uh, now that you know, like the uh, when someone criticizes someone, you know, like like they accuse it to be part of the pimp lobby, and if it's a sex worker, the one that is attacking, they accuse them of being being a bully, and and it's quite complex because I think that uh, that the the sex worker industry has many problems, and certainly there's uh, human trafficking there, you know, but. The issue is that there is a very big difference between like like human trafficking and and and, and sex work in general, and Amnesty International we has had which has back uh, the the criminalization uh, the principle of decriminalization for sex work has said that 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 precisely decriminalization is going to be the the the, the issue that it's going to be make easy to to focus on on on. On, on fighting human trafficking because if you use all the resources to fighting you know like regular sex workers uh, many times you know like the the, the, the the sex traffickers you know which which had a you know were a, a really criminal organization that, that is you know has sometimes even context probably with with uh, with some kind of you know like um, international kind of context, uh, you know, to, to move from country to country. So they, they really have, you know, the, the, the kind of, of equipment uh, of training to, 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 to get unnoticed, but, you know, regular sex workers, just someone, you know, putting their ad on, on, on Twitter or, or, you know, or, or, or creating a website, obviously you don't have the infrastructure to, to, to run away, but since it is, you know, like the, the, the more easy target, you know, like sometimes, uh, and Maggie McNeil has, has written about it, that sometimes police want to have, you know, uh, uh, higher statistics about, you know, like, like detentions, you know, and, and they actually don't detain, you know, like any victim of human trafficking, they just uh, detain sex workers. And yeah, that's, it's, I think that we are seeing the war on sex workers, and I think within a few I think it's also morphing into a war of porn they also want to 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 ban porn so so conservatives are really going in a very anti-libertarian direction right now yeah I mean sex like politely using the term sex workers in sort of mainstream adjacent publications I'm pretty sure is extremely recent um it feels like a lot more of the left has put like being for sex workers as part of their, you know, ideology. It just feels like like a, that's a very positive thing that has spread in the last five or 10 years. Um, Cause it used to be, well, it was definitely a libertarian thing. Um, and it was, you know, some leftists thing, but it's, 
it really feels a lot more mainstream, but simultaneously it feels like there's a lot more ham-fisted crackdowns, the kind that Maggie McNeil complains about, rightfully. Um, and, you know, equating two fundamentally different things is, it's so government-y. And to me, it seems so obvious that if you want, if you actually want to protect people, I mean, you don't have cops being cops, but if somebody needs help, <laughs> you want them to be able to go to someone without being afraid of being arrested. It's the same kind of thing where, you know, somebody would be, disincent- be disincentivized to get help if their friend was ODing on heroin because maybe they gave him the heroin or they were doing it too. And if you truly don't want people to die or be horribly oppressed and abused and, and trafficked, you know, however much that's actually a thing, uh, it seems really obvious that you need to legalize all of these things. Um, but people are very, very pigheaded about that. Um, so, and I mean, that's, that's, that's just government, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, it's 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 curious. I mean, like, we have talked about conspiracies, and conspiracies go in, in, in different circles. So there are conspiracies that go, you know, like, like from from one place to another. And 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 the case of, 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 of sex work, like, there are... Um, it, 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 is, it is something that, that I think changed from country to country. So I think that, that the, the, the... But the one element that is quite clear particularly in the in the element of the criticism to the criminalization is the focus on on female prostitution so i haven't you know heard you know any of the prohibitionists mentioning male prostitution which is a thing and in places like san francisco is quite important and and significant you know part of, of the sex worker industry um but i think it's 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 a you know, and not only in San Francisco, for example, like in in Haiti, you know, like or, or in in particular poor countries that uh, in Haiti and other parts, uh, and now in some countries in Africa, the the, the sex tourism is is not you know like uh, males, you know, European males trying to 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 pay a, a sex worker, a female sex worker, but you know. Uh, all relatively all women trying to to pay a young uh, sex worker, so it's it's quite the opposite. So this kind of practice is not that uncommon, and 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 despite that, they conveniently don't don't mention it. So to to think that prostitution is something that is just female when there is a lot of, of males in in the industry and and I think they try to use it in a very you know like like opportunistic way. Hi, Lucy. Are you there? Hi, Lucy. 
Oh, sorry. My yeah. microphone was being weird. Yeah. So, um, so I was asking you about the, the, the kind of, you know, opportunistic use of, of just talking about um, uh, the, the the sex uh, work as, as something that is just female when, when it also male and, and try to the discourse of of allusions of sex work to, to try to avoid that that discussion well i mean part of that's trying to protect women excessively so sometimes it's you know an okay impulse sometimes it's a very patriarchal weird anachronistic damaging dangerous impulse um and i would suspect that more male sex workers are gay kind uh, guessing yeah. but suspect and so you know that they're easier to ignore by sort of the 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 moral majority types um you know it's not macho to be a man sex worker and being gay is of course highly suspicious to to those people so i'm not surprised that there would be an undue focus on on women like by, by anyone who wants to get their hands on this issue Yeah. Well, I, I think we could move on to, to the to the last topic that it could be Christmas. I mean, Christmas is a, is a really curious um, moment of the year, and 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 this Christmas is very curious because like it has been the first Christmas that I that I have seen a Hanukkah sign. So Hanukkah is the the Jewish festivity, more or less. It's the days that are close to Christmas. And I saw a sign and here in Lima, Peru, where there is a very small Jewish community. I was kind of surprised to see a sign of Hanukkah. But it was kind of, it was, it also made me remind a story I, I, I read a while ago about uh, about the founder of, 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 of shopping malls, who was a, a Jewish, a Jewish architect. And not only a Jewish architect, but a Jewish socialist architect who, who was from Austria. But it was Skype uh, Austria when when the Nazi Germany invaded, and so it was kind of a weird story how how a, a, a U.S. socialist uh, became the the inventor of of, of, of one of the a U.S. socialist refugee became the inventor of, of, of the kind of symbol of American capitalism. But at the same time, the, this morning in Lima, where I saw the sign of, of, of the of the Hanukkah, was is the only place that I have seen any any sign of, of, of related to any Jewish facility, at least in public, which is kind of funny. Um, but I was going to ask you about the, <laughs> that crazy Christmas story about the the the. <laughs> The the t-shirt of the Santa and cocaine we were selling in Walmart apparently and, and what what is going on what, what why Christmas is going going on so crazy these days? Um, I vaguely remember the Santa. I feel like I need to Google that so I can refresh my memory on the Santa cocaine thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. I It is, Walmart's it is. controversial cocaine Santa sweatshirt remains on shell, uh, remains on Amazon, I guess it says. Yeah. That, appeared cool. to show Santa Claus doing <laughs> cocaine. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not, 
I'm not crazy about things like that. Like all the interpretations of Cookie Monster <laughs> being a drug addict. Like, eh, must we, must we, Sully? That, that's. I mean, cool. Santa looks really happy, so that's good, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, there is an article in Atlas Obscura about the the anarchist origins of, of Santa Con. So Santa Con, for for those who know, is a is a conference of Santa Claus of people versus Papa Noel as, as Santa and. And the story is that there is was a, a, an anarchist collective, Soulbogen, I think, which is somewhere in Danish, uh, and and they were they were doing weird things. So they were kind of uh, of, of they were kind of anarchists versus Santa, and in their more recent kind of interesting event last year near Christmas, uh, they. Jumped uh, uh, a refugee center, so they ran away the refugee center because the, the refugees are away from the rural population, uh, and they they give uh, presents to to the kids. Uh, I think were mostly from Syria, and it was kind of weird. And I think that's a very curious way to understand the spirit of Christmas, but also the spirit of anarchism. <laughs> And the spirit of uh, an anarchist Christmas, which I think it sounds even cooler. Wow, I'm learning a lot of mall and Santa related facts today that I did not know, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, so I think we could leave it here with, with that kind of reflection. Um, so where do people can, can find you online? Well, not many places of late. <laughs> But you can always find me on Twitter, which is Lucy Stag, L-U-C-Y-S-T-A-G. And someday I'll come back again with more words written down, not in tweet form, ideally. Yeah, that, that would be cool. So thank you, Lucy. It has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Always good to you. <laughs>